Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. Apologies for the slight delay. We had to bring you some compelling data and we were compiling that and putting it in a format that you can watch it from your cell phones. Without further ado, let me welcome Major Madan Kumar. Major Madan Kumar, Namaskaram and welcome to P Guru's channel. Namaskaram sir. Thank you so much. Jai I'm going to say one uh, one line from a movie called Annamalai, uh, which was a Rajnikant starrer. And Rajnikant was famous for these one-liners. And for those of you who don't understand Tamil, I'll explain to you. But the line goes like this. Annamalai ke pala, tirupadi ke ladda. So what it means is, for those uh, who want to understand, Annamalai in this character, in this movie, is a big producer of milk. And when somebody tries to sell him milk, he asks this question. Just like when you go to Tirupati, Tirupati is known for laddus. When you try to sell uh, laddus in Tirupati, people are going to look at you with a questioning eye. Is this what happened? The answer to this question will be revealed as we go through this uh, 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 conversation here. Major Madan, take it away. And uh, I, I think you know why I'm, why I'm saying this. Please take it away. Thank you so much. It's a pretty interesting one to start with, actually, with the comparison of the Southern Superstar, rather the Indian Superstar. Uh, to we have heard a lot of news uh, strategies, uh, the Western views, and the Russian views, and so-called uh, the neutral views. So we have it's been it's been available in plenty. Uh, actually, it's too much of information which is available now. Uh, but to give a perspective of where this uh, all actually started, we know the historic perspective of what Soviet was. Most of our US, our reviewers are uh, intelligent enough to know the history, they know the background. So in the interest of time, I'll just start with what happened in the last uh, 15 to 20 years. Uh, 2002, since uh, Putin took over, uh, we have, uh, or we can say like last year, 2021. So these four nations, Ukraine, Lithuania, Poland and US, they conducted a war game. The military exercise, though it's like uh, a very limited one, around 1,200 odd military staffs with around 200 odd vehicles, uh, but this was held in Ukraine. Now, that's a key. Now, US is directly there, Poland, Lithuania, and Ukraine. You know, these three nations uh, came together, and they, they, it, it's a very limited but a very intense uh, military exercise. It uh, reversed air attacks, it reversed uh, ground attacks and it also one of a type of uh, multinational uh, exercise which we saw. <clears throat> now this answers, one, this is one of the answer of why this invasion was timed in this year, in this particular time. Because post uh, July, when this, this exercise happened, Russia did, uh, do, did, did its own uh, war gaming at the Ukraine border, borders as a uh, response to this. But they didn't end up with uh, per se the excise only. You know, these troops went back and most of the Ukrainians at that time, including uh, Levinsky was in a myth that all these nations are going to fight together if Russia invades me. So that's where this entire uh, thing started. So, as I said, uh, Russia also did their war gaming at the Ukrainian borders, but there was a solid buildup of uh, military. So that map can actually explain us uh, what exactly happened. Yeah, this is the one. Uh, now we see a place uh, on the north, northern side of uh, Ukraine, a Russian territory, Warren's. 
so in this place they have got one of their uh, it's like a command headquarters in india sizable uh, one which is uh, uh, which is around 800 kilometers from donbas region of ukraine now they did uh, two things they raised two cas which is combined uh, arms <coughs> armies they call it this like this like a joint force they call it as a theater command or a uh, in any western sense they call it as a ibgs integrated battle groups in russian terms it is uh, combined arms armies so one was raised uh, integrated raised and reversed in the northern side and one uh, you can see near the crimea area so rostov is the place where uh, this was placed now these two units had been equipped so the equipments were moved one was uh, if i remember it right it is 20th caa from oranzo and uh, 4 caa from rostov so these are the two major uh, fighting forces which was raised and with less transparency later on uh, the media in the caa and uh, even it came up in the media that russia is building up troops but this was at the initial stage now to do this they have moved their equipments from their uh, central military district which you can see uh, in the map so these equipments from siberia all the way from siberia these equipments and uh, especially those missile launchers uh, artillery batteries the guns and the tanks so all this heavy equipments which we see today in the battle was moved by russia to this place now any country which has done a war gaming as a response to another nation's war gaming it's read as a you know so swift response and a response in line with uh, aggressor but in this case it's a solid troop build up and why it was timed is because of uh, that particular exercise three sword exercise which was carried out so which clearly said and and the joint press release of this four nations said it is for uh, better coordination uh, better regional security and uh, world class military exercise integration of uh, various nations uh, this thing state of the art and all this language was used but it never mentioned a word called russia but diplomatically it meant it was against russia so this is one of the major trigger of why this was timed so it was timed just after the peak winters and as history says we uh, we know that uh, nobody can nobody has can ever invade russia during peak winters and win over it hitler had faced it napoleon has faced it we have enough history to see that so that's why this the question the million dollar question of why it was time time right now this is one of the main reason where they felt that now uh, the enemy is at the gates we have two choices you continue the diplomatic talk keep talking to us and the nato allies and uh, try to they had only two conditions uh, putin had two conditions to it one is Na- ukraine should not be a member of nato and remove the nato forces from the eastern europe and these are the two major conditions but when this thing happened you know it is all, it's almost confirmed that your enemy is there and they are doing a war gaming very very close to you and uh, the synergies of those exercises are actually uh, based on what russia's military posture was now there are two options which they have either you wait for this to happen or you preempt this you do your own war choose a battlefield and make it as a low cost invasion because when these countries come up if they took a take a fight against russia for any reasons iraq was invaded for uh, wmds uh, afghanistan was invaded on the contest of war on terrorism so us and nato can pick up anything 
So Putin sensed that this has to be a very serious security threat. Uh, his close aides, the five of those uh, uh, the security advisors whom he listens to, uh, three of them are ex-KGB and two are from the Russian forces. So they had clearly said that this is going to be a threat for us. Now, either we strike them now, preempt it, so that we end up in a low-cost war, or we wait for them and then fight a battle against multinational uh, alliance like NATO. So Putin chose the first one because it suited it. Economically, it's going to be a low-cost war. There is not going to be a NATO interference because uh, Ukraine is still not part of a NATO. And uh, this can end up soon, which means they can spend uh, less number of days in capturing uh, Ukraine. Uh, that's what their military said. The confidence was given to Putin that it can be done in 7 to 10 days of time. So that's the primary reason why Russia chose to invade Ukraine at this point of time and the reason behind it. Now, coming to the uh, troop deployment, the strategy of uh, what they have adopted. Now, this is a hybrid war. Most of the people, the allied panelists have spoken about how a three-pronged approach was taken. Uh, one from Belarus, northern side of Ukraine, uh, one on the eastern side, uh, which is uh, the two major towns, and then one on the southern side, which is Crimea. So this is now known to everyone now. And uh, those border towns uh, in the Donbass region were the first to fall because that's already in a, it's been announced as an autonomous region. The rebel groups, uh, in fact, is operated by Russia. So that was an easy uh, low-hanging fruit for them. So, totally they have uh, used around 39 battalion tactical groups and close to 1.15 lakh personals in the start. Now, it has gone up to an estimate of, I think, around 1.9 lakhs. So, that's the size of the army uh, which came and invaded. So, what we missed out is this invasion. Uh, the strategy is uh, very clear. The first phase uh, of this war uh, was in the eastern side. So, Luhansk and Donetsk has to be taken in complete control, which was done on day 1, 24th and 25th. Uh, the second, the, by 25th, these two towns were very much in the control of the Russian army. They progressed well. Second phase was uh, Mariupol and uh, Melitopol and the Kherson port. The Kherson port took time because that cuts off the access uh, of Ukraine in the Black Sea. So, you cannot get an external aid uh, in terms of military or commercial, if they're going to capture this port, so that has been uh, that objective has been achieved yesterday. It took some time, and uh, the third phase was Kharkiv and uh, Kyiv. Kharkiv is about to fall. They pitched, uh, they put a very intense battle in terms of Kharkiv. The the fight has been going on for the past uh, five days. Uh, Kyiv, no, the objective of to hit uh, Kharkiv because it's a commercial capital like Mumbai for India. And then uh, Kyiv is, of course, the capital. Now, the plan here, uh, what it looks like, where many of the panelists have already analyzed it, they are not going to capture it because that's going to create a lot of bloodshed and uh, more sanctions and more international isolation. So, they have kind of calibrated it. They have, they are the one way to look at is the world looks at is Russian army had a setback. Yes, definitely they had a setback at uh, day three and day four and day five, tactical setbacks not a strategic one, but they are calibrating attack, their attack. It's not that they had a timeline to uh, topple a 
such a big country like Ukraine and get their own government. They said we will see the response. So when the response on sanctions were uh, announced, it was moderate. But when the response on uh, SWIFT, taking off Russia from SWIFT happened, it amplified. Now we see a phase where there's a lull. Uh, those long convoys actually didn't enter Kyiv. So the, now the plan is to siege Kyiv, starting from the northern side, the eastern side, and the southern side. Cut off Kyiv from uh, the external world, from the rest of Ukraine. Cut off all the road communication. Uh, take off their vital installations like internet, power, and water resource. And then force uh, the Ukraine to surrender. So that's how the plan looks like. So they are in no hurry. This uh, setback cannot be taken as a debacle or, or they have not. They are going to achieve their objective. But in a much, I would say, a less militarized uh, way. That's their uh, thing has been. So I'll come to it why Russia chose to do this, in fact. Uh, so they still want this to be a low-cost operation. No major, uh, the signature flagship Russian arms have been used till now. It's a conventional artillery, armored and infantry which is moving in. And supported by uh, the Russian Air Force. And they're also using around, they so far used around, I think, 350 to 400 missiles to hit uh, precise targets. So that's how it has been. So strategic targets, we have Chernobyl, we have Chernobyl, uh, Zafokia, which today, which has fallen the nuclear uh, site, which saw a missile hit and then uh, it got into fire. But later on, it was clarified it was uh, the admin area, not on the reactors per se. Now that's under, being taken under the complete control of uh, Russia, which effectively means 40% of uh, Ukraine's power generation is currently under the custody of Russia. Now that means a large to Ukraine. And another one is the Dnieper River, which runs in between uh, Ukraine. So they would try to push uh, the western uh, part of it, the Ukraine, towards the western side of the river, so that the river uh, access is also cut off. And uh, the next level of targets uh, in the coming days, it's going to be south uh, side of it, which they're making a good progress, Mykolaiv and Odessa. And then uh, they're planning for a landing uh, operation by a via sea uh, in the Black Sea so that they can get their troops in, uh, they can land their tanks. So these exercises have been uh, done earlier elsewhere, uh, close to Crimea. Now that part of it will also take. So now you will have, you will see the extent of Russian occupation, uh, parts of uh, sizable cities of uh, east and uh, strategic assets in north and the siege of Kyiv and uh, attack on uh, Kharkiv and in south the port has already fallen and then they'll move from in the direction of south and southwest. Now this completes the Russian objective uh, in as far as uh, this, this entire so-called uh, Putin's words uh, uh, special military operation that sort of is, has been defined. Now, coming to uh, the other space of it, 26th uh, was a very active area where people has focused more on uh, the ground battlefield, the airstrikes and the missile strikes and uh, those videos. What the world has actually forgotten was uh, the cyber war. Now, cyber war day one, uh, Ukraine had the advantage. So, uh, their uh, digital transformation minister, which in terms simple terms, IT minister, 
Fedorov launched something called uh, IT Army of Ukraine. The, the Twitter page is uh, active. Now, the Russia doesn't have this force uh, in terms of uh, having, sorry, Ukraine doesn't have a force of a cyber army in per se in the size of or the might of Russia. So what they did is they launched this and they appealed to the world of all the individual freelancing, anonymous hackers and cyber hackers and uh, dark web actors to launch a cyber attack on Russia to show solidarity for Ukraine. Now, when this was started, uh, there's a telegram channel which was created. It's closed down to 2,70,000 hackers across the world. We have, most of them are anonymous. So they have joined the group and uh, there's a way to uh, launch a cyber attack, which is DDoS. So this was launched on uh, against Russia. So Russia, uh, either internal systems got crippled, they disconnected themselves. So they were in the wide area network, but they were not uh, in the WWW. So they isolated themselves because Russians are too smart in the cyber uh, warfare space. So this, uh, this uh, cyber army is doing some propaganda, which is like unimaginable. Uh, they classify it as uh, frauds, lies and grifts. So these are the three umbrellas which they've been working till date. So we can easily discount 90% of the videos which comes either for Russia or against Russia or for Ukraine or other Ukraine. Because those are tailor-made, uh, huge cyber army acting on it. One, to launch a cyber attack on Russia. And second, to do this propaganda. Now, this propaganda warfare has been a trick. So, day one to day four almost, uh, Ukraine had an advantage. And then they had uh, this thing, an explosive uh, revelation about uh, leakage of hacking of 120,000 Russian uh, servicemen data fighting in Ukraine. So you can see this was uh, published by the Center of Defense Studies uh, Strategies. So this was done by uh, Ukraine and they announced it and they also posted the details of that, the limited details of the soldiers, which you can see in kind of an Excel sheet uh, where you see the list of uh, Russian soldiers name, their service numbers, and their phone numbers and so on and so on. So this was out and open. So these are all the cyber wins uh, to demoralize uh, the forces on ground, which they did it. And then later was a major attack, uh, which again, the mainstream didn't cover access, as such was uh, the Network Battalion 65. This Network Battalion 65 is an anonymous group. Russia claims that it's a CIA-sponsored uh, cyber army. CIA flatly declines it. It says that people from across the globe uh, as I've been using it. So we don't give our VPNs and uh, to launch this attack, we are a responsible nation. It is done against you, but you have to deal with it. So Network Battalion 65 claimed and they posted those files. They uh, claimed to hack and which in a way Russia didn't uh, disprove it. Uh, they hacked the Russian Nuclear Institute and they posted close down to 40,000 uh, files of those scripts uh, scripts and uh, ones in uh, anon files it's an anonymous anybody can go and uh, download it uh, but i access reserve that we should not download it because nothing can be understandable it's all encrypted i mean it's all coded so not a uh, easy way to think so what the second step they net, uh, did is network battalion 65 said did a public appeal here are the files we require uh, translators to translate this and expose the russian nuclear secrets now, this is the level of cyber warfare which was going on. And uh, the participants are not only Ukrainians, it was uh, 
almost 2.7 lakh uh, cyber warfare or you call them hackers or whatsoever so from across the world so this was on the uh, ukrainian side and then there was a, a cyber group very effective cyber group uh, based out of belarus which is actually an anti russian one uh, belarusian cyber partitions so they also launched an attack on uh, ukraine uh, sorry on russia and also belarus which supported uh, russia uh so this lot of things uh, were happening but credibly apart from the leakage of soldiers data and the nuclear institute of russia's data they couldn't actually uh, post anything credible which has done damage to any of the russian establishments so kaspersky which is one of the most globally reputed uh, uh, cyber uh, defenders they also said that uh, they refused to comment on this and then they said we are taking adequate precautions to kind of uh, you know safeguard our uh, secrets so this is the level of uh, cyber warfare which has happened so russia effectively has a cyber army they have a full fledged cyber command under uh, space so russia did a lot of cyber attacks a day before 23rd on the d day 24th 25th and 26th uh, on russia uh, ukrainians uh, command post on ukrainians uh, military uh, systems uh, their banking systems uh, so and so so and so and so and so so this never got reflected it, it it's not an explosion we get to see but this equally creates an impact or a much severe impact uh, than the actual kinetic war this is a non kinetic one which has been done uh, in the space now uh, somewhere the americans are also concerned or even the rest of the world is also concerned by the action of ukraine they call for volunteers to fight against uh, russia and there are 2.7 lakh active volunteers as we speak today now the across the globe we speak about uh, anti piracy we speak about cyber crimes uh, every nation is concerned about it nations help each other because this doesn't have a geographical boundary at this uh, content when you open up a can of worms the swarms are already there and it's by legitimate government of ukraine now other countries are concerned that if this may happen in future what happens to us now this is an eye opener for india as well so we mobilize our tanks uh, our strategic assets that's okay but if a country calls for something like this if tomorrow pakistan calls for something like this then that's going to be a major concern for us so cyber command uh, in future uh, is not only country specific something like this happens volunteer force it has to factor for a much larger uh, force to attack them so that's where uh, this countries are also concerned but ukraine is continue doing that uh, page you can see those uh, propagandas in their uh, twitter handles so this is on the cyber side uh, russia also did something uh, so this is a uh, that uh, three swords exercise one of a uh, ukrainian uh, colonel explaining his troops about the plan now this was published a few photographs were uh, taken off by the russian intelligence and this is one of the main reason to prompt russia to invade ukraine at this time so this is how this entire thing worked many media is actually uh, i mean they have been running a 24/7 show definitely they have overseen it but the main one of the main trigger is uh, this now coming to the russia's uh, second one the day 2 they dropped something uh, of a size of a 300 ton tnt trinitro tolvin it was called father of all bombs because us had uh, demonstrated moab mother of all bombs in afghanistan so this is a 300 ton tnt 
uh, explosive. It was a, it was air blasted. It didn't fall. It was not an impact blast. It was an air blast. It creates a mini uh, nuclear explosion kind of a cloud. It literally burns off everything within a 300 meters radius. But it's actually not a nuclear device. But this creates a lot of uh, effect on the enemy. Morally, was uh, this was fired on 26, 26 no, where, where? Place, place, place. It was in the eastern Ukraine. I see. Please continue. So they, yeah, it was actually not to inflict casualties. It was to basically down the morale of uh, the Ukrainian forces. So Ukraine never offered a resistance at the border. The eastern border, they never offered a resistance. And one other thing was this father of all bombs. The visuals were, uh, uh, you know, uh, chosen and published by Russia. But because uh, most of the browsers and uh, the internet search engines are owned by uh, America, it didn't got uh, published to an, or to an extent it has to be. But Russian uh, media actually had uh, published this in a very, very uh, uh, bigger way. And then came uh, the air raids, uh, precision strikes which they did. Uh, they used their uh, cruise missiles, uh, ballistic missiles. Uh, so they did uh, attacks on uh, ports. They did attack on airfields. The first three days was actually advantage Russia in terms of identifying and uh, hitting them. But what happened uh, in the second stage of the war, uh, which is the past four days, today is the ninth day, is the invading army has been progressing at a very faster rate and towards their objectives. I'm 100% sure people, viewers may differ that Russian army is lagging. It's not the case. They have been reaching their objective uh, plus or minus two days. That's what it is. But they are reaching their objective. Uh, they're taking their time. That's one reason which we see that the, the Russian army is kind of uh, not progressing well. Ukrainians are also putting up a tough fight. So in the second three days, the advancing army, uh, the, the columns have been uh, moving fast. But their rear uh, base, the command headquarters, where the rear echelons are quite far away. As I said, it's uh, from the command headquarters, it was almost uh, 800 kilometers to Donbass, and they're further moving up 500 to 600 kilometers of Donbass area. So that created a logistic challenge. So the videos we saw, uh, the Russian tanks being towed by a farmer's tractor, Ukrainian farmer's tractor and this thing, that was basically a logistics issue. You know, the logistics couldn't, uh, echelons couldn't catch up with the fighting force. Now, these three days, they have rectified it. They have been effectively uh, rectifying it. And uh, uh, they have also reduced the artillery shelling, which Russia always used to be very, very liberal. Even in Libya, you can see that they have used to pound with uh, heavy artillery guns. That they have reduced it to, as it's clearly a directive from none other than Putin, uh, to reduce kind of the civilian casualties and uh, infra damage. So, because it's an area weapon. If it falls, it's not going to be a, it's not a precise weapon, it's an area weapon. It falls in a general area, it can create a lot, lot number of uh, larger uh, damages, be it a building, school, or a hospital, or so and so. So, they are very, very careful that they want to retain those assets. And uh, the future, which they are also, in a, in a way, the post-war plan, is to recover the cost of war from your brain only. That's why they are very, very choosy in uh, choosing their targets. So the, the Chernobyl or the second one which fallen today, the nuclear uh, reactors, but they're basically targeting the admin buildings uh, with a low impact uh, explosives so that they don't, don't touch the reactor. The idea is to cut off the power so that the surrender or the regime change happens faster. 
the one surprising thing is on the Russian Air Force. In the past four days, it's not been uh, it's been used on pockets, but it's not been used effectively. The first two to three days, we saw Russian Air Force uh, participating very very actively. And uh, the third side is a uh, sea. Uh, they have stationed their warships. They have been firing uh, missiles on it, but there is no sea landing which has happened, which I expect to happen in the coming days to capture south and to move southwest. So they'll have to do a sea landing, which they already done a good rehearsal. And that area has been quite under their control since uh, the annexure of uh, Crimea. So uh, this is how the warfare has been uh, done. On the Ukrainian side, uh, Ukraine had only two choices uh, to defend. So they have a very thin army of around uh, 2 lakh. So the border is quite huge. Unlike India-Pakistan, we have defenses. Like India, between India and Pakistan, we have a fence which defines the international border. Inside of us, we have a defense system, which is basically the trenches. So we call it as a DCB, ditch Band. An artificial uh, canal is created so that it hinders the movement of tanks. It's always the armor which comes in uh, as, a, as in the ground battle, in the ground warfare. So to deter that, we have these uh, canals. And during in course of a war, we flood it that it becomes much more difficult. Then the enemy has to uh, put a bridge, establish a bridge. It's a very complex uh, military operation. It takes a lot of time. And the way and the earth which, that, which was dug to make this canal, so we built our bunkers and all our soldiers uh, have a very comfortable bunkers inside with the heavy machine guns and uh, uh, light machine guns and H the, those rifles to actually stop the invading army. But in this case, between Ukraine and Russia, there's no such defenses which has been made. Even if they made such a defense, a thin army guarding such a big border, uh, which starts from east of Ukraine, goes all the way till north of Ukraine, uh, the defenses would have been breached. It always makes sense to do keep your battlefield as, uh, as close as to your border, rather than the hinterland. So Ukraine chose the other way. So they pulled out their forces. Uh, they were closed down to 39 brigades, uh, which they pulled out. They never fought their enemy, uh, Russia, at their border, the eastern border. They chose to reorg, concentrate, and defend their key cities. That's what we saw in Mariupol, uh, Mariupol and then that's what we see in Kyiv, and that's what we also see in uh, the other city, Kharkiv. So they are concentrated. Now, this made uh, Russian operations a uh, bit difficult. So the first three, four days was a walkover. They came through uh, those highways, large number of uh, armored vehicles, tanks, so they came through it. But now they are uh, they are close to the city. Now, uh, to the best of my knowledge and the experts whom I see, uh, it's clear that they are going to put a siege and then uh, cut off uh, the essential supplies, uh, make them morally and uh, physically weak, and then ultimately uh, take a surrender and then topple the government. So that's how it looks like. Post-war, uh, we can discuss about it, sir. I think uh, I, I just summarized it uh, overall, what happened in the cyber, what happened in the psychological, what triggered it, and where are we now? Yes. And uh, viewers, uh, I hope you understood what I said when I said Annamalai Pala Tirupati Ke Ladda. You have to decide who is the Annamalai in this case. I'm not going to tell you what that is, whether it is Ukraine's army of cyber experts or whether Russia's army of cyber experts. One person has taken on the challenge head-on so we have to see how that part plays out. Uh, Major Madan, 
we are doing this objectively. We are not saying one is right and one is wrong. I think it's we don't know enough about both sides to say that you know this or that. It's okay. My point, I think, here is: uh, can you put back that slide where we have the map of the country, please? I want to have a specific question. Yeah, that one. Um, so, in, in this, I can't see it clearly, but you can you can say that if you draw a straight line from Odessa to Kiev. It's almost a vertical thing. It divides this country into two parts. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. uh, can you, there's another one with all the formations. Can you go to that slide, please? Next one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So here you can see that you can see the the place Odessa, which is at the bottom, and Kiev is almost at the top. So if you draw a straight line between the two, the eastern port of that is where most of the majority Russian-speaking population is. And also, that is where the uh, Russian Orthodox Church system is. On the east, west of that is all Catholic. So there is a possibility, I don't know whether that's going to happen or not, that if they can't get the entire Ukraine, they might say, okay, well, we came for Donbass, we've got that. Maybe we will settle for this straight line and create a East Ukraine. Your thoughts? Precisely, precisely, sir. You're bang on it. That's what they are going to do. Occupation is uh, going to cost a uh, lot of money for Russia. I don't think so. They have the economic capacity to do that. So basically, they will push uh, the Ukrainian-speaking population uh, towards the western side, which is exactly the line which you saw, and deny them the access to Black Sea. Yes. And deny them access to the river. And then isolate them, make that as a buffer zone between them and the NATO nations. That's what precisely they're aiming at. So even if there is an insurgency, which US is too good at creating those insurgencies, then tomorrow they're going to equip some rebel groups and then they're going to fight against Russia. So all those things are going to happen in that area where, which anyway, they're hostile to the native Russians. So they, and chunk of the wealth remains in the other side. The industries, the coal, uh, those beautiful uh, agricultural fields, so this is all on the other side. So this is going to be kind of a landlocked country without a port. And if you even want to fight a proxy war, they would be happy to fight it. One side is be uh, US-led NATO. Second side would be Russia. So there will be two rebel groups. One will be fighting for and one will be fighting against. And that's what we precisely saw in uh, various places where these two nations got involved. And in this, this zone is going to be a buffer. So it's happening far away from Kremlin and, and it is going to be uh, not in their own territory which they consider. So that's going to be uh, the Russia strategy. But having said that, uh, US on the other side is, is too good at in proxies. So if that going is going to be uh, disputed, we don't know how long, uh, how the Europe will suffer as such. As I said, you see this part of uh, Europe, Eastern Europe uh, have never faced insurgencies that to a larger scale. Uh, so all we see is everybody sees that this is going, this war has to end and that's how uh, the world will be at peace. But this is just a start of a very, very larger conflict. As you said, this is a divide uh, in terms of uh, religion, in terms of historic perspective. 700 years before, if you see the Russian Empire, the capital was actually Ukraine. As they moved eastwards and they captured more places and more countries, the capital shifted towards uh, from uh, Ukraine to all the way to Moscow. This is today's capital. 
so there is a historical climate and there is a racial divide language divide and also there is a religious uh, sect divide as you said one is the orthodox and one is the catholics so all these things are making it uh, very complex so as you exactly said this is how it's going to be time is going to give us the final answer but definitely it's going to be can you put back that uh, map please yeah that one so what see th this is what i had predicted about a week ago um viewers what major uh, madan said and i'm trying to ensure that that's what he meant the if you look at the line there the left of it is all going to be catholic the the right of it is mostly russian speaking and i think that is where most of the industries are agriculture is everything so you are basically going to starve the left side of some of the more critical things and we don't know if russia will take over both odessa and kiev i mean those are the two main cities if those also go what is left on the left side is going to be very very interesting did i say that correctly major absolutely sir there's a mountain range uh, range uh, towards moldova there's a huge mountain range as well now other things so to support this fact i'll I've actually missed out on the highlight one thing yeah first week of jan this year visa uh, putin uh, because it's a very very uh, unlike china it's it's a bit more transparent so there was a photograph which was flashing across the russian media uh, one of my friend from armenia sent me that now i recollect it uh, it it was a photograph which was showing putin celebrating orthodox christmas with a priest it's orthodox priest just there are two people who they were celebrating orthodox christmas i think that falls i don't remember the date exactly but it falls on first week of jan if i'm correct so this picture was clear indication that we are going to unite it's not a boundary which defines what we are russians are it is about the belief is what defines russia so that's how he never he never had uttered uh, you know whenever he gives his speech he never says ukraine it says kiev's government there's a bad government uh, who are like slaves for the western in the western world so it's that government uh, ukrainians are like we are one we are one and the one underlies what you precisely said it's about the op yeah yeah this is the photo precisely right. so this was posted uh, i think in first week of jan and that clearly had a message it clearly had a message and people took it as a normal wish but this man does something uh, this is a, this is a clear uh, perception battle which he was building that we are orthodox and uh, we are going to fight our enemies sorry 2019 yeah um so some people are saying that uh, we might have got the religion wrong but no we are reasonably sure it's a derivative but it is mostly on that line to the left is one religion to the right is russian orthodox we are reasonably sure of this because i i double check and triple check this data before i put it and uh, anyway the, the there is the point is there is a, it could become like ireland let's put it that way it could become like ireland and uh, this could be a thing that will fester for a long time unfortunately in the meantime the rest of the world is suffering you are going to have uh, disruptions in supply and what have you so uh, so in in conclusion thank you so much for sharing this and i think the most important thing that you said in one line 
which is that Russia is not using its latest state-of-the-art weaponry here. They're not basically disclosing their hand. They're just using very conventional stuff. And, and that tells us that, you know, they have more tricks up their sleeve. However, we're not going to go and see why this is right or wrong. This is a long-standing thing. People also will say, wait, uh, Ukraine handed over all their nuclear arms to Russia in 1996 to Boris Yeltsin. And Russia promised never to take any part of Ukraine, uh, even one square meter of land. But the other side of it is, what did uh, Russia, Russia gain? They disarmed uh, Ukraine. That's one. But Ukraine did gain. Russia took over the depths of Ukraine. Hmm. Hardly people speak about this. It was just not a nuclear proliferation which was happening. So there's a security arrangement. All the three countries, US, Britain and uh, Russia, gave a commitment assurance that uh, we will provide you security. You don't have to have 1,700 uh, nuclear warheads. We'll disarm it and most of it was destroyed. But the rider here is, when the Russia-Soviet split, every nation had their share of debts. So this debt of considerable debt of Ukraine was actually taken over by Russia. Also, we have to think about one other thing here. When Crimea was Crimea, Crimea, whatever was annexed by Russia, uh, what was remaining of Ukraine? They wanted to become a member of NATO. They applied for it in 2015. Until date, they have not been accepted as members. And EU offered them that you can you can become our member. And now they have applied for that. I think three, four days ago or something like that. The, the, the bigger question is, if Ukraine was so important to NATO, why is it that they never accepted them as a member? Do you have any answers to that, Major? Why? Definitely. Any nation, a new NATO nation, has to be approved by uh, all the NATO nations. Yes. So that's the schedule to it. Now, uh, Turkey is a NATO nation. Uh, Turkey bought S-400s from Russia. Turkey was sanctioned by its own ally, NATO ally, US. Turkey has got a, a very important and a strategic relationship with Russia because the Mediterranean area comes into play. So Turkey wants to regain the Ottoman Empire, Erdogan's uh, dream. Now, he is close with Russia. Now, if he goes and supports this candidature of Ukraine becoming a NATO nation, then it's going, to, it's going to take a direct hit on uh, Russia's, uh, Turkey's relationship. Similarly, Germany had reservations. Italy had the reservations. Italy sells uh, the second, or I would say the second biggest market for Italy's luxurious items is Russia. So as a matter of fact, Gucci products are excluded from the list of sanctions. Believe yeah. it or not. <laughs> <laughs> this is how funny it is. It looks so yes. good to see NATO in one umbrella. Right. Uh, Germany 40% energy supply supplies are with Russia. Yes. Now every like US is a, US and uh, Russia per se, their economic dependence or uh, types are very, very less. India, Russia economy uh, type is very less. It's just 10, 10 billion dollars. But if you look at the uh, European nations. And the economic ties with uh, Russia, it's, good. it's sizable, it's significant. So if you kind of, uh, up, 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 you know, it's going to be like, he is not going to uh, give you, no, he is not going to agree to it. But if you agree, I'm going to take on you. So that was the card which Putin was playing. And all these countries were skeptical about uh, this thing. So 
so what happened was this membership uh, plea by ukraine so what uh, levinsky uh, actually did which was uh, what pakistan did sometimes back before with us they said if you don't give me this at least give me muscle and money to fight so ukraine till date remains the fourth largest uh, sponsor of uh, sponsorship receiver of Russia, uh, us we can't forget this so this is a sizable amount of uh, uh, american money and weapons and all uh, which goes to ukraine though even it is a non nato ally similarly pakistan did attend the same they want to be part of a nato uh, they want the nato forces to be at the indian border and to check with india but that never happened the similar reason helps here it's it's more similar so ukraine cannot have a nato uh, membership well um the other interesting thing that you mentioned that i just have a thought is you said that the russian airspace or air force is not getting involved much in the last few days i think one of the concern that they have is if us starts imposing a no fly zone what happens two things happens one is that this is going to be direct conflict and technology to technology you know all the family jewels have to come out to defend yourself number one number 2 you know you are taking on the whole west after that basically that's a declaration of war us is going to enter that means so i think that's why what i call in tamil araki vasikarudu you know he's kind of doing it without uh, you know putting out all the main main stuff uh, viewers if you have any questions uh, major madan can take up but i don't know this uh, exactly what you said ukraine had requested for a no fly zone the neighboring countries they refused said that that oh, this war is going we want to contain and limit this war with ukraine we don't want the entire europe to suffer so that's the answer which was given by the european countries so a uh, few questions if you don't mind sir we have about 10 minutes or so we can take up a few questions santosh kumar wants to know major sir is it true that only russian made platforms india can experiment with in house technology after a few years with some systems and we can develop our own ecosystem see santosh depends on our uh, priorities like uh, look at tejas everybody has a notion about tejas that techel was so bad it took 33 decades for us to build a fighter jet and whereas you look at euro typhoon this was made in just 12 years now euro typhoon already had a base there's already a fighter jet which was there it was a modified version of it and we started something from ground zero do we have the luxury uh, in in terms of uh, developing our own ecosystem right from the scratch depends on the concerned uh, defense tech if it is space so we are well ahead in space but the moment we in the same channel we spoke and uh, mr shreer also spoke a lot about it with expert panelist about uh, hypersonic uh, glide vehicles of uh, china now to catch them up if you start from zero and build on our own system it's going to take say for example it's going to take two decades now what india is aiming at to be uh, hypersonic glide capable by as early as 2029 if that has to happen you need to really uh, have the technologies at least from russia friendly nations to come in various technologies but if you look at another project called amka the fifth generation indian own fighters so that can be our own system we can be our own create our own ecosystem that's what has been precisely happening we are testing everything we are building up components 
there are a lot of atmanirbhar projects which are going on that's going to take good amount of time but can india run with mirages and old mic 29s answer is no now to build fix this gap we went and bought rafels so that's how we have to look at and also the 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 other thing about uh, india also is india's probably adversary china is going to use the same kind of cyber tactics they've already tried it a few times they have made their point so that is something that india also probably is uh, you know showing up you know india has some all weather friends not just russia i don't want to mention those names here because it's important to understand that india isn't exactly sitting idle um it, although you we sometimes look like we're a dysfunctional democracy there is function there is progress there is things there are things happening because at the end of the day all these things what you need is a few good men our good major today has really given us an excellent insight into how something is being waged what kind of strategies are being used and uh, santosh has a follow up question on here uh, on the top you, i read it uh, yeah this is basically our predominantly our military systems like uh, if you ask an indian army soldier or an officer are you comfortable with the m15 or a ak47 we would always prefer ak47 because our ecosystem per se 87% were from russian made so we are used to it uh, there's an american tank and there's a russian tank we are used to it generation right from your basic training to you know the advanced studies and you do it all on the russian ecosystem it makes naturally it becomes a sense for us to freely operate with the russian system rather than a new western technology next question please tushar behra wants to know what is the outcome of this war will it spread or will us taste a blow from russia see tushar it it's all depends on uh, how early ukraine is going to be taken under the control of russia until a nato nation gets involved directly or a nato nation gives or lets their airspace to be used against an russian operation till then this is going to be contained in that region and eventually will end uh, in the active war the kinetic war will end but as i told you this is just a start of a larger conflict what will be seen uh, by the western world now trump is very very vocal about uh, biden's uh, leadership it has been quite uh, now the next popular rating of the us president will tell us what impact it has on his domestic politics now every politician is there end of the day to, to you know to win and to retain power in that case us and nato has to do something drastically you know to regain so that will create some other conflict there going to be something on russia for sure you also look at what china is doing now they have been entering into taiwanese waters they were just 35 kilometers uh, 35 nautical miles uh, within uh, one of a taiwanese island now this is just a start of it now, various countries now what what happened with the nuclear deterrence russia announced a nuclear deterrence they have armed their north atlantic fleet and the pacific fleet the long range missile command which means that they can fire a nuclear weapon anytime it's not going to happen one else you threaten a nuclear action that's different like pakistanis do every 6 months but getting your nuclear command ready equipped and armed is something different that's what putin has done it exactly they are northern atlantic and pacific long range missile commands are active prime now will they deliver a nuclear uh, this thing it's no it's going to is going to be mutually destructive but what has, it has triggered is the surrounding nations which were so called non proliferation 
including belarus belarus is a russian ally they say we have all the rights to go nuclear no we are a small nation we can't fight a larger army if something happens like this to us we will be in same place where ukraine is now we want to go nuclear now this nuclear arms race is starting all over again it's it's going to be like you know one nation picks up the neighbor will want to pick up then that nation picks up somebody else wants to pick up now iran iran today has all the rights to say i am non nuclear my enemy adversaries are nuclear this has been done now i need to protect myself you just keep your sanctions go to hell i am going to develop one which they are already on so this is how it's going to create larger conflict this just a start with what we are seeing now i'm sure the phones are ringing off the hook in north korea come to papa baby is probably what he is saying he's the guy who does all this nuclear stuff <laughs> Uh, Mr. Lee wants to know: uh, Is war game done using computer simulations? How are the boundary conditions and initial parameters set? See, the strategy simulation is done today. We have technology; we do it uh, simulated, uh, real-time battle scenarios are simulated, the communications are tested, but a lot of things are done on ground. See, one thing we need to remember: like uh, last year, we had a small war between uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia. lot of people told uh, me lot of people the especially the new generation said that you know the soldier warfare is over it's all about drones now show me one drone which was sent by russia or by ukraine the conventional battlefield the infantry soldiers foot on ground is going to stay we kind of went 20 years ahead you know drones will rule and drones will bomb the tanks that war was all about drones where did the drones go no there's no there's no mention of even drones here so this is this kind of simulation happens in a uh, war room uh, strategies are discussed uh, the battlefield scenarios are discussed but on ground execution is what is been asked to be done again and again and again to precisely match themselves that's what russia lags slightly the coordinate between their air ops and uh, the ground ops so these are the minor hiccups which uh, they already had a lesson in syria then all the them and the world armies are also looking at every uh, nation is looking at to derive lessons from it because your own mistakes would be very very costly at the battlefield uh, before we go to the next question can you make this bigger please i want to show a book to all of you guys this is called ken follett's new book called never and uh, this is about 800 yeah 800 pages long i'm still not finished but this essentially predicts what's happening right now So those of you who want to know the future you can read this uh, back to the next question please it's called never can follow it uh, prasad pandey wants to know even after knowing russians hesitate full on friendship with chinese why are americans not trying to have russians in quad block after all the world moved long way now the now in the post cold war future see pandey ji the world has not moved anywhere we are back to 1942 <laughs> <laughs> not not anywhere like the, what we assumed is because of the you know the chinese aggression which is happening in the past 4 uh, 5 years we thought it's all it's going to be uh, us on one side uh, china is going to be on other side we forgot the number 3 the number 3 is powerful russia we just can no, nobody knows how much of nuclear arms they have uh, there are uh, weapons uh, which has been discussed by uh, the international defense forum lot of think tanks I'll just give you an example. There is a torpedo, a nuclear-tipped torpedo, which Russia has. It's fired on a country's shore. It can create a mini tsunami. 
as i told you they have not used any of those they have kept it up their sleeve what they have used is t72s t90s t72s 1972 years uh, 1972 make right and they have been using conventional uh, rockets bomb shells tnt based or rdx based so these are all very very conventional old ones any which way you have to discard most of the people should be aware that even uh, ammunition has a shelf life you can't keep storing it forever so this has thorough change anywhere what it actually gives why russia estates to go close to china they don't want to end up some nation like pakistan they are a mightier power they were the number 2 in the world and very close to a number 1 challenger they are in the path of regaining the glory so the number 2 uh, earlier erstwhile number 2 If I, if he has to regain the glory, he has to aim number two, not number one. To do that, you can't be, uh, you know, so close with number two because you are his competitor. So these are all situational basis uh, based allies. My permanent advisory is Russia's permanent advisory is America, and China's number one objective today, as on today in their 2022 military doctrine, is clearly America. So we can become friends. These are tactical. Uh, or you would say like you know my enemy is enemy is friend that kind of a relation yes and uh, i think this is the last question uh, we are coming up against one hour and i'm very careful about not crossing that point when people look at the video when they see it's more than one hour they say oh it's so long so we're going to this is the last question absolutely hardik thanki wants to know how true are reports that frontline troops have not joined the fight i gave you the answer in the first uh, slide 2.7 lakh uh, cyber professionals hackers they call it as uh, liars lies uh, drifts and uh, false so these are the three buckets so you can just conveniently ignore all those the two days before uh, uh, levinsky said there were 8000 casualties russian casualties and you know body bags and stuff so russia said it's 431 now this guy said no it's not 431 it is 3000 So you can come con- conveniently ignore all this, go with authentic data, and uh, still we have. Uh, I'll tell you about uh, one famous Indian uh, newspaper, uh, and you know the media, one of the oldest media, NDTV, uh, put up a uh, picture of a soldier uh, with a young girl, a little girl challenges the soldier, and, and she slaps him. So this happened in Palestine-Israel uh, conflict in 2015. Now you look at uh, you know the amount of propaganda and this thing i would recommend not to actually get into whatsapp followers and this thing for one week so you can be at a mental peace <laughs> yes indeed thank you very much major and uh, as always a pleasure listening to you i hope viewers got your money's worth uh, please put in a good word for us with your friends and family a lot of stuff was discussed here nothing of this kind i've seen anywhere on any channel thus far thanks to once again uh, to thanks once again to major madan he took a lot of time to prepare for this we take our pride in putting things with you with data thank you very much sir namaskar thank you sir namaskaram jain